look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verses 8 and 9. Uh, Cam is supposed to be reading this morning, but um, uh, Clint's dad had surgery the other day, and there was a complication this morning, and so they're running to the hospital to, to be with him, and so Cam's uh, not with us this morning. And then I was at the hospital all day yesterday at St. Mary's because my dad's also in the hospital, so um, be praying for uh, Clint's dad and for my dad. But uh, as we get into the Word this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, let's dig in together. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verses 8 and 9. <laughs> um, as uh, David was joking a second ago about, uh, you know, making mistakes, and uh, my mistake this morning is I have a cough, I've had a cough for a week, and I forgot to put any water up here. So that wasn't very smart of me, so that's my mistake this morning. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll just cough our way through and we'll be all right. Um, we, we talked about um, uh, verses 6 and 7 last week. This, uh, this week, this Sunday morning, we're going to, Look at verses 8 and 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 8 and 9. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. Um, if you have your sermon outline this morning, what we want to start with is a, a concern. We're talking about uh, being generous, and we're talking about the need to, to, in our faith, to step out and to trust God to help us with our uh, financial needs and also to want to invest in the kingdom. And so uh, I want to start this morning with... Thanks, hon. Just throw it to me. Um, it would have been bad if I dropped that, wouldn't it? Um, so let's, let's talk this, this morning about one of the things that this passage points us toward in, in a thing that we're often concerned about, and that's that we're often scared to be generous, and here's why. I would be more generous, but I'm barely making it now. I would be more generous, but I'm barely making it now. <laughs> so for many of us, as we think about the, the call that we talked about last week, to be more generous financially to the kingdom of God and, and to, to God in general, uh, one of the first responses that many of us give is, you know, I, I would be more generous, but man, I'm just, I'm, I'm barely paying my bills now. I don't have a whole lot extra. And I don't know if I, if I did that, where that, those funds would come from. And so I, I would like to, I think it's a good idea. I think being generous is a wonderful thing in a hypothetical kind of way. But when it gets down to my actual checkbook, um, I, I, I just don't see where I can do that because I'm barely making it. Now, there's an issue here I'm not going to handle this morning because it's a different sermon, and that is, for a lot of us, the answer has to do with the fact that um, many of us are, are living lifestyles that are above what our income is. And, um, and we need to recognize the fact that God has called us to live within our means. And that's a different sermon where we talk about the fact that we, we need to be content with what we have, and we'll, we're not going to talk about that this morning. Um, presuming that that's not an issue, if we are just um, in a situation where we're not spending more than we're making in terms of uh, living a lifestyle that we shouldn't, but we still are barely making it, and we don't feel like we can, we can step out in this way, 
what does this passage have to say that speaks to the opportunity to be generous? Well, I want to start with uh, a couple equations in terms of the way that we often think about money. And as we get to the second one, hopefully then we can get into the passage in verse 8 and talk about how it allows us to do those things. So two generosity equations. The first one is this. Generosity plus real life needs equals struggle. Generosity plus real life needs equal struggle. So what does that look like? Okay, I've got these real life needs. I need to pay the bills. I need to take care of the, the having a car. I need to do all these things. <laughs> and then the preacher is telling me that I should be generous. The Bible is telling me I should be generous. And so if I have all these real life needs, plus I add in this generosity, that's going to equal struggle. I'm not going to be able to make it. I'm not going to have the resources that I need to be able to pay the bills because um, I, I've got all these needs and I'm trying to add this other thing in. I would argue this morning that's the wrong equation. That in and of itself makes sense, except we're leaving out a factor. And that's the other equation. And the other equation is this. Generosity plus real life needs plus God equals enough. Real life needs plus God equals enough. So when we talk about this idea, what I'm arguing this morning is, yes, I know you have real life needs, but I also know that God is calling us to be generous. And within our financial lives, and oftentimes what we do is we will include God in our, you know, our Sunday morning routine. Maybe we even read the Bible and ha have a, a little quiet time. But often there are parts of our lives that we kind of section off from God. And for many Christians, one of the areas of our lives that we section off from God is our financial lives. And one of the things that we're talking about in this series is we need to include God. We need to allow God into our financial lives. And as we do that, yes, I have real life needs, and yes, I want to be generous, but as I add God to that equation, I've invited God into my financial life. When I add those three things up, it's going to equal enough. I'm going to have the financial resources that I need to be able to pay all my bills. Now, um, as we do this, I'm using the word enough. I'm not using the word, you know, millionaire. I'm not saying I don't believe in the health, wealth, prosperity gospel that God's going to make you a millionaire. But as we have these things, but we add God into our financial lives and ask Him to be a part of that, we will have enough for what we need. I said last week, and I'll say it again this morning, Karen and I have been married for, for 25 years now, and we have tried to be generous to the kingdom of God as we have had opportunity. And over those 25 years, God has been faithful to take care of our financial needs. We've never had a lot extra. We have always had enough. Why? Because God takes care of His children. Now, as we look at verse 8, there's three things in particular this passage brings out. For those of you that are looking at me and you're like, I don't know, Jim. I mean, that, that all looks good on paper, but I don't know in real life if God would actually come through in that way. Well, there's three things God says here in verse 8 that help us to understand why and how God is going to bring about enough. So let's, I want to start at the end of verse 8 and work my way back. So the first thing is this. Enough is true because the generous Christian's goal is kingdom expansion. Enough is true because the generous Christian's goal is kingdom expansion. <laughs> So why is it true that we will have enough? One of the main reasons is that as a Christian, when we are pursuing this, 
our goal shifts from the worldly idea, which is my goal is to get as much junk as I can. I want all the, the things that Walmart has and everything I can buy online, and you accumulate all that junk. As we become Christians, as we become more mature Christians, our goal becomes less. Yeah, I know we have to have that stuff, but the thing, and we talked about this last week, the thing that gives me the most joy, the things that gives me the most excitement is the opportunity to give into the kingdom of God, to be able to see people come to know Christ and people mature in Christ. Look at the end of verse 8 and what it says. At the end of verse 8 it says, You will abound in every good work. What does that mean? What, what, what does every good work mean? It means that as we are pursuing the things of the kingdom, as we are wanting to see God's kingdom expand, people come to know Christ, and, and as we get joy in the fact that, that we see others mature in Christ or come to know Jesus, that is every good work. And as we do that, God is promising as our goal and as our desire is, the thing I want most is to see people come to know Jesus. As we do that, does it say that we will scrape by? Does it say that he'll give us the bare minimum? No, what's it say? You will what? You will abound. Now, is abound a stingy word or a generous word? It's a generous word. God is saying that when we have this goal, when we are pursuing kingdom expansion, we want to see more people come to know Christ, that we will abound as we are trying to pursue those things. God is going to bless us financially, not so we can have all the junk, but instead so we can be fulfilled in financially to be able to take care of those things. Let me give you an example. Um, move these for a second. So let's say you've got an eight-year-old. And so you've got an eight-year-old, and you give her a $10 allowance a week, let's just say. Um, and so you go out one Friday evening, uh, you go to Marshall's, let's say, and, and she buys a blanket. She wants to, it's an $8 blanket, she, she has $10, you're like, that's your money, you can buy one. So she spends $8 of her $10 allowance on a blanket. And you're like, well, you know, I guess she wants to cuddle up on her bed with it or whatever, and so that's fine. Then you go back the next week, you're out again, and you're shopping, and you're at Marshall's, and she says she wants to buy a second blanket, another $8 out of her 10. And you're like, well, she bought a blanket last week, but maybe she wants to, you know, cover up her stuffed animals or something there on the bed with her, so, what, you know, it's her money, whatever. Then you go out the following weekend, and you're at Marshall's, and she wants to buy a third blanket, another $8. And you're like, she's already bought two. But, I don't know, maybe she just wants to cuddle up with all that on her bed and have a, whatever, just go ahead. You go back the fourth week. And she wants to buy another one. And finally, you've had enough. And you're like, why are you, why, you already bought three blankets. Why do you want to buy another blanket? And she looks at you and she says, um, you remember a few weeks ago when the preacher had that guy come and he was talking about in Charleston um, all the people that are homeless and how they don't have any way to stay warm. And I got thinking about that and I thought, you know, I get $10 a week. What if I spent my $10 and bought a bunch of blankets and we could take them and give the blankets to the homeless people? So for the last four weeks, she hasn't been buying blankets for herself. She's been buying blankets with eight out of her ten dollars to accumulate them so she can take and give them away to the homeless. Here's my question. 
your 10-year-old daughter doing that, does that make it less likely that you'll be generous with her in the future or more likely that you'll be generous with her in the future? More, doesn't it? By a far stretch. Why? Because she's shown a generous heart, not for anything selfish, but for helping other people. <laughs> and so as you go forward from there, when she has another need that has something to do with that, you're going to want to be more generous with her. When you have a heart for the kingdom and your thought isn't, I want more junk for me, but instead I want to help other people, I want to be there for other people and point them to Jesus, is that going to make your Heavenly Father less likely to be generous with you or more likely to be generous with you? More likely to be generous with you. In fact, how generous? Verse 8 tells us exactly how generous. It says, you will what? Abound in every good work. Jesus our Heavenly Father, when they look upon us and our heart is for kingdom expansion, people coming to know Jesus, that doesn't make Him less generous. That allows Him to, allows him to pour out His heart to us and take care of our financial needs. There's a second reason, too, that we should trust our Heavenly Father and, and believe that He's going to come through for us. Look a little bit higher in, uh, in verse 8. It says, <coughs> it says, so that... In all things, at all times, having all that you need. The second thing is this. Enough is true because the generous Christian has a broad promise to have her needs met. The generous Christian has a broad promise to have her needs met. So, um, when you have, uh, whichever phone you have, say you have an iPhone, and it doesn't update, and it brings up the update, and it says terms and conditions, and you have to click the button that says, do you agree to the terms and conditions? How many of you all read the terms and conditions? We don't. I'm, I don't know. I may have given away multiple of my children. I'm not sure what's in those terms and conditions, but, but I know that whatever is in there, it, everything in there benefits Apple and not me. They have lots of little legal stuff where, you know, if your phone burns up in your pocket and causes a fire, but you didn't update in the last 24 hours, they're not liable. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's all kinds of little stuff. Everything benefits. It's very legalistic, technical language that benefits Apple. On the other hand, when we look at this verse in terms of the promise that God is making to us, look at what it says there in terms, is it, now, listen, Christian, in these particular situations, on these particular days, as long as the weather is sunny, I will take care of your financial needs. That's not what it says. Listen to how broad the promise of God is for those who are willing to trust Him to step out, to believe that He's going to take care of their financial needs, to have a, a kingdom mentality where you want to see people come to know Christ with the resources that you have. Listen to what Paul promises here. So that in what? A few or all, say it loud, so that in what? All things, in occasionally or all times, all times, having some of what you need or all of what you need. Oh, look, there's three alls there. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need. How broad is that promise? God is coming to us and saying, when we have this generous heart, we don't have to worry about, well, you know, there's a technicality, he's not going to do it because of this, or there's a technicality, he's not going to do it because of that. We've been promised that as God, <laughs> as we put him first, 
and as we trust him, we have real life needs, we add our generosity, we're trying to be generous to the kingdom, and we add God, we have the God that we've inserted there has said, in all times, in all things, you will have all that you need. That's a pretty good promise, isn't it? Amen? And so, as we go forward, we go forward not with the promise of, okay, I know I'm doing this for God, but man, I'm on my own. I hope I can make all this math add up. Instead, we go out with a promise. I'm trying to have the heart of God that will please him the way that that girl did we were talking about a moment ago. And as I do that, I have a father who has promised in all things, at all times, I'll have all that I need. That's a good promise, guys. And so we need to go forward with that belief and that understanding that even though I have real life needs, when I add my generosity to the kingdom and I trust that God then has been invited into the equation, he will make sure I have enough. I'm not in charge of making sure I have enough. He will make sure that I have enough. I've told this story before that Eugene Peterson tells of a uh, couple friends of his who went to Haiti to adopt a little girl, and, and she was, I think, five at that time. And when they brought her back, uh, the first meal that they had, they had two teenage sons. And, and as they sat down, this was a girl who had great deprivation up to this point. And as they sat down to the first meal, there was all this food, but the two teenage boys were eating like teenage boys, and they were going at it. And, and the, the new mom could tell that this little girl was, was getting very anxious because the food was disappearing at an alarming rate. And so, with great insight, she took the little girl from the table and she walked into the kitchen and she opened up the pantry and showed her all the food that was in the pantry. She opened up the the refrigerator and showed her all the food that was in the refrigerator. And then she knelt down to her and she said, as long as you are my daughter, you will never go hungry. Listen, as long as we are the children of our Heavenly Father and we are trusting Him in this way, we will always have enough. Always. We have to just trust Him to do that for us. Look at the third thing. A little higher in verse three, or verse 8. It says, God is able to bless you abundantly. The third thing is this. Enough is true because this isn't about what you deserve. This isn't about what you deserve. Verse 8, the beginning of it, <coughs> can be translated a couple different ways. Um, it says, th- this NIV translation has it, God is able to bless you abundantly. The word bless there also has shadings of grace. If you have a King James, it says something like, and God is able to make all grace abound on you. And so the idea there is that God is able to, to shed His grace upon us. God is able to bless us in a way that we don't deserve. Um, when we think of the idea of grace, we think of the reality of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins, and as He dies on the cross for our sins, we then have the opportunity to receive His salvation uh, by grace through faith. And grace means we don't deserve it. Grace means He gives it to us as a free gift. So now that word is, um, is <coughs> hinted at in there too. So now we come to our financial needs and we say, you know, okay, Jim, I get what you're saying, and I know I should be generous, and I know I should trust God in this, but, you know, like, I I think about my life, and I think about the fact that maybe up to this point I haven't been doing all that I had meant for God. This would be kind of a new thing. And and I think about that, and I think, you know what? I don't deserve for God to do those financial things for me. You know what the right response is? You're right. You don't deserve it. You don't. You know what else? I don't deserve it either. 
And so we come to that point not saying, okay, now God, now I've fulfilled the different requirements, and so now you're required to bless me, and so I'm receiving it because I deserve it. We don't get it because we deserve it. We get it by grace. God gives it to us as a gift. God gives it to us out of his own generosity. And so in that moment, we don't say, God, give it to me because I've earned it. We say, God, I believe you're going to take care of me because you have brought that into my life by grace, by your love, by your generosity <coughs> to me. Back in 2004, uh, there was a fellow named um, Doug Brown, and he was a mortgage broker, and he was trying to get the business of several, uh, it happened to be several female real estate agents. He had taken them all out to dinner, and he was trying to get them to send their mortgages through him so he could make money on that. And so as he's at this dinner, he decides um, that he's going to try to impress them. And so the waitress comes up, uh, her name was Francesca, and she says, what can I get you? And he, he asked her, he said, um, he said, what would be the most special tip that I could give you tonight? What, what would really make your evening, like a purse or something else? And she goes, well, what I really need right now is a car. And he goes, okay. And she goes on with the order. And he said, well, what if I bought you a car? And she's like, what do you want for dinner? You know, she's going on with it. And, and as the meal went on, he finally said to the, as they were ta- he was talking to her again, and he finally said to the, um, to the uh real estate brokers that were there, he said, all right, here's the deal. If you all give me your business, I will buy her a car tonight. And she's like, you're not going to do that. He goes, if you all give me the business. So they all agree to send their business through him. He finishes the meal, pays for the meal, leaves. A half hour later, he comes back with the keys to a brand new Mitsubishi Lancer. And he walks inside and he hands this waitress the keys. And she's like, you can't be serious. He says, yeah, I'm serious. These are your keys. She goes, what do I say? And he goes, you say, these are my keys. Give them to me. And he did. He bought her a brand new car. Did she deserve it? No. Do we deserve the blessings of God? No. But you know what? It's by grace. And so we receive it even though we don't deserve it. Now, as we think about that and bringing all those things together... (laughs) I want to give a thought that you can put in your mind as you step forward to try to trust God. Kind of a first step. And this is in your outline. A first step. When you're thinking about being generous, pray, Father, would this please you? Pray, Father, would this please you? And then rest in His joy. And then rest in His joy. Joy. I'm not saying that you know we go out and throw away everything that we have or give away every single penny that we have. But as we have those moments when we feel like God is leading us to do a certain thing, whether it's tithing to the church or whether it's giving to a particular person who's going through a hard time, in that moment, here's the thought I want you to have. As you have that moment where you're thinking about giving whatever it is away, think about how your Heavenly Father feels that you are trying to be generous to this person and trying to expand the kingdom of God. <laughs> And then having thought about the joy that he has for you, rest in that joy. Rest in the fact that like with the blankets we were talking about earlier, it pleases your Father that you're trying to expand the kingdom and then trust that he is going to open up doors to take care of your need as you go forward. 
Lee Strobel tells a story of, he was an atheist at this point, working for the Chicago Tribune. And they did a series of stories leading up to Christmas time where uh, they would profile different families that didn't have much. And one of the stories he wrote was of the Delgados. It was a 60-year-old grandmother with two granddaughters who uh, were in an apartment with literally, like, almost nothing. And they had so few clothes that in, they lived in Chicago. Uh, on the walk to school, they had one sweater between them, and so the girls would take turns, and as they got really cold, they would switch the sweater off as they were walking to school. And so Lee came, and he did this article about them um, and the need for, you know, it's Christmas time if you want to be generous. And then he went on to more important assignments and was doing this, that, and the other. It got to be Christmas Eve, and he didn't have anything else to write, and he got thinking about the Delgados and wondered what happened to them. So he goes back to their apartment to kind of maybe do a follow-up story. And he, the door is opened up, and the apartment now is full. Like, the response to that article that he wrote about their uh, state of deprivation was overwhelming. There was furniture now, there were clothes, there was all kinds of stuff that people had donated to them. And he was so excited about the fact that, you know, they had gotten all this stuff as a result of his article. And then he started talking to them, and he came to understand that they were giving away almost everything that they had received. And he was like, why are you giving it away? And they said, because our neighbors around us are in as much need as we are. And so how can we hold on to all this stuff when they don't have anything either? And so they were keeping the bare minimum and giving everything else away. When we have that kind of generosity, when we want to help people, when we want to point people toward Christ, that generosity pleases our Heavenly Father, who doesn't just sit back and say, well, that was good, but He will help us to abound in every good work. Our struggles with our financial needs, our real-life needs, and adding our generosity is going to result in struggle, except when we invite God into that equation. And He is enough to take care of our financial needs. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm thankful that you are not a distant God who leaves us to our own devices and leaves us to figure out the answers to our own problems. But you are active in this world. And Father, we know from the Word of God what pleases you. And so Father, as we do what pleases you, we believe, because we have your promises, that you will move on our behalf. Father, I pray this morning that in each of our hearts, may we take a moment to consider whether we are being generous toward your kingdom. And having considered that, Father, if we need to take a step that's a little bit further down the line, may we do so believing that our desire to please you pleases you. And that you will show yourself strong on our behalf. I pray in Jesus' name, and amen.